Hi there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you've joined the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you don't have a sewing machine, have no idea how much fabric you need, or you're just trying to figure out where the heck to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Hey folks, welcome to episode 55 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I am going to be chatting all about quilt guild meetings and sew-ins. But first, I want to start with a new segment. I frequently get questions from listeners about just about everything, uh, from sewing machines to quilt labels and everything in between. So I decided that I'll start a listener question sections on the podcast. So this week's listener question comes from Catherine L. Catherine emailed asking, I think I've outgrown my sewing machine, but I'm not sure what I should be looking for in a new one. Should I get a quilting focused machine? What is so different about an embroidery machine? And what are some must have features on a sewing machine for quilting? Okay, so I think I'm actually gonna start with the second question. What is so different about an embroidery machine? So there's two types of embroidery machines. There's like straight up embroidery machines. And then there are combination sewing embroidery machines. I'm going to assume for this question that you're discussing the sewing slash embroidery machine and not the straight up embroidery machines. The straight up embroidery machines are awesome beasts, but I mean, visually, they don't even really look like a normal sewing machine. Um, So I'm going to assume that that's not what you were referring to. Uh, But I did want to make that distinction because... um, just in case those of you didn't know that there's actually just embroidery machines out there. They're pretty cool. They're really impressive. Like you can spool, depending on the size of it, you can spool up like 10 different threads all at the same time, put in an image and then have it go to work. It's, they're really impressive. But a sewing slash embroidery machine is like a traditional sewing machine. It just has an embroidery component to it. Uh, Typically there is a section on the bed of the machine that you can slide out um, and change into an embroidery model uh, module that has a uh, like a large arm that slides back and forth that you would hook a hoop onto and then it will move that hoop for you beneath the needle Um, and lots of sewing machines have this I used to have a FOF creative vision uh, 5.5 Uh, And it had a large uh, embroidery uh, uh, mode on it. I never used it, like, ever, uh, because I'm not an embroidery person. Now, if you're somebody who likes to dabble in embroidery or you have some interest, so many of the sewing machines out there today have – you can get as combination with an embroidery um, module on it. So – I would definitely suggest doing so. I don't like pigeonholing too much into one specific machine, especially if you're not in the market to have multiple good machines. You know, uh, 
I know it's first world problems. I have multiple machines um, that have different functions. Really, I have I have many machines, but the two that I use on a regular basis, I have a travel machine that I take to guilds and whatnot, and then I have uh, my big machine that I use on a daily basis. Um, I am not an embroidery, so neither of embroiderer, so neither of my machines have an embroidery function to it. Um, but that's just me. Uh, I will say if you, I would rather you, if you're going to go shopping for a new machine, get the best machine that you can afford that includes all of the features that you think you may or may not want to try. Um, there will come a point where you don't no longer outgrow your machine. I'm at a point where I can't really outgrow my machine. Like I, I have an awesome machine. However, um, for many of you, given the amount of sewing that you're planning on doing, uh, you'll probably stop outgrowing your machine, uh, pretty soon, honestly. Um, it also depends on the type of investment you're looking to make. Uh, I think that unless you are a really, really infrequent sewer or a super casual sewer, and when I say casual, I mean you're doing it every once in a while, um, you're probably going to want a few more bells and whistles than you can find for less than $1,000 on the market. But once you get over that $1,000 point, you're not really going to have to spend too much more. I would say the best machine out there in that just around $1,000 point, it's probably the uh, Janome 6600 or 6700. Um, those are fantastic machines, and they do everything that you need them to do, really. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's go back to the questions, because as you know me, I tend to ramble. So her other question was, should I get a quilting-focused machine? I think I've kind of answered that already. I personally do have a quilting-focused machine. Uh, I have the Janome M7 Continental. Um, it's a massive machine. It's got 13.5 inches of creative space um, to the right of the needle, uh, which is fabulous for domestic quilting. Um you know, it's got AccuFeed systems and kind of everything that I would need for quilting is built right into this machine. Uh, it does do some very basic embroidery stitches, but like they're pretty they're pretty limited, and I would not say that I have the functionality on this machine by any means to do embroidery. Um, but I just, I never use embroidery, so I knew that if I wanted to put the money into something, uh, this would be the better machine for me. It also does not have a free arm. Now, a free arm is, you know, you take the little, for most of your machines that you guys are using, uh, they've got this little, like, compartment where you can put your bobbins and stuff, and you can slide that out. And then your bed is kind of just, just larger than your needle plate. And you can kind of put like a cuff of a sleeve all the way around. Uh, that's what a free arm is for. Garment sewers need free arms uh, kind of all the time because they're sewing garments. And so they're dealing with loops. They're dealing with armholes and pant legs and um, waists and whatnot. And it, and it makes it easier to have that free arm there. 
I don't, again, because I'm a, a quilter through and through. So that wasn't a, a deterrent for me on my machine, but keep that in mind if you do any of that kind of sewing, you'll want to make sure that you have a free arm. Um, I think you really need to just look at yourself and be like, what kind of sewing am I really doing? Do I mend pants and such? Yeah, I do. You know, I've I've got three kids. I've got a husband who is rough on his clothes and also refuses to buy a new pair of jeans because it's his favorite pair. So, I mean, I do. I do it. However, it's not enough for me to have invested the kind of money that I would need to invest to get as quality a quilting machine as I can while also including those additional modules. So not really a thing for me. Um, so you really have to just look at yourself personally. Now let's talk about must-have features on a sewing machine for quilting. So must-have features. First and foremost is going to be the size of your creative space. If you plan on quilting your quilt tops on your domestic machine. Some of you are always going to send your quilt tops out to a long armor, so it's not really a huge ideal because you're like, I'm just piecing on this thing. We're good. But for those of you who are actually quilting, you want to look at the amount of inches of space you have between your needle and the arm of your machine. Mine is the largest one you could buy on the market today. It's 13 and a half inches. It's amazing. It's also a gargantuan machine. Now, Many of the machines out there, uh, especially the machines that you'll get at box stores, uh, they typically have about between like five and six inches of space between the needle and the arm. I'm going to say you're going to need more than that. I would say I would look for something that's got seven or eight inches at least. Uh, that would be kind of the minimum if you're going to be quilting on your domestic machine and you're still going to have, it's still going to be a little tight for you. Uh, once you start getting to machines that are more focused on quilting is when you're going to find the larger space. That's when you're going to get your nine, 10, 11 inches, um, to the right of your needle. And then obviously, uh, some, some machines have that 12 to 13 and a half, uh, range. Um, I want to say the only ones that are that big, though, are, uh, like I said, my Janome M7 Continental. And I want to say the Bernina 770 QE, which is the Quilters Edition. Those two machines have, have the biggest space. Uh, they also have some hefty price tags, not going to lie. Um, but, uh, I mean, that 6600 or 6700 um, this is off the top of my head, but I want to say they've got like eight inches, so they're not bad. Uh, and those are, you know, I think the 6,600 you can get for like 1200 bucks. Uh, and the 6,700 runs about 15 or 16. So not, not too, too much of an investment, uh, comparatively speaking. Um, now, so now that was our space between the needle and the free arm. We'll also want the needle up, needle down positioning, uh, because if you are planning on free motion quilting, you'll want to be able to keep your needle down when you are, uh, in between, you know, goes on your pedal. So once you, you lift off of your pedal, you want your needle to stop down so it holds your piece in place. 
You'll also want to be able to drop your feed dogs. That really shouldn't be a huge issue, uh, especially if you are looking to kind of upgrade your machine. Uh, Very basic entry-level machines are not going to allow you to drop your feed dogs, but most machines over $150 are going to allow you to drop your feed dogs. So that shouldn't be too much of a worry. Uh, but you will need those feed drugs to be able to drop in order to free motion quilts. Um, in an, a fantastic world, you have some sort of AccuFeed or IDT. I'm thinking of Janome and Foff here just because those are the, the two brands that I'm the most familiar with. Uh, but those are kind of like built-in walking foot systems uh, that just make your straight line quilting so much easier. Also, uh, when you're getting a quilting machine, and this is should be pretty universal, but just kind of keep an eye out if you're like down to the, you know, your last two models and one comes with and one comes without. Keep it in mind. Uh, what feet does the machine come with? If you're a quilter and you're getting a quilting edition of a machine, it should come with a quarter inch foot and a walking foot. Now, that might not be a big thing. And depending on the price tags, it still might not be a big thing. But some walking feet are going to cost you, you know, $100-$200. Some presser feet are going to cost you $50, $60, $70, depending on the brand of the machine that you're getting. Uh, So you'll want to keep that in mind as well, because while a machine might be like, well, they're exactly the same and this one's $300 cheaper, it might not actually be cheaper once you get the presser feet that you need. So keep that in mind as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else is a like a must-have item. I mean, I really like having a lock stitch, and I also like having automatic thread snips, but those are both more of a convenience than a necessity. Um, I do think also, especially for a free motion quilter, having a visible bobbin case, so which 99.9% of the time means a top load bobbin, uh, is huge uh, because one, it's easier to get it in and out. It's just quicker. Uh, But two, you're able to easily glance and see uh, when your bobbin is getting low because there's nothing worse than going into a long straight of quilting of quilt stitches and then running out of a bobbin because it's just gonna it's not gonna be quite the same and even though nobody else will notice it it will drive you nuts uh, later on in the process so that was a really long answer it was like half the length of a normal episode for me <laughs> sorry guys but I hope that you really enjoy this and if you want to get a super thorough answer (laughs) like I just gave for Catherine L. Please go ahead and shoot me an email at Nicole at NicoleGilbertQuilts.com and I cannot wait to answer those for you guys in the future. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. All right, guys, let's talk about quilt guilds. So we've chatted about quilt guilds before. I did an earlier episode all about quilt community and one of my topics there was the quilt guilds but in this episode I really want to chat about what you can expect at a quilt guild meeting or a sew-in. So for those of you that are unfamiliar uh, a quilt guild is a group of quilters that meet on a regular or semi-regular basis 
uh, to discuss quilting, to learn from one another, to share the projects that you're doing. Basically, it's just like, it's like a good time, really. Uh, I kind of think of it as like an old school, like coffee clatch, but everyone's talking about quilting or quilting while you're there or, you know, all of the things. Um, and it's a, it's a good time. I love it. Um, and it's really, it's a really good way to learn more about your local community as far as quilting goes and fiber arts goes. It's a really great way to get some additional resources. Um, and it's a really great way to learn because there's no better way to learn than from your peers in a casual environment, truly. Um, but I also know that it is hard to be the new kid. I am a military spouse, as many of you all know, and we move fairly frequently. And because of that, I'm super used to being the new kid. Um, I have been a member of many guilds. And it's not because I hop around and I'm like trying to find the right place. It's like, I moved again. And so now I have to join a new quilt guild. Um, so there's that. But um, it's so worth it. It really, really is. Uh Let's talk about the structure of a guild meeting. So a typical guild meeting is probably, I would say an hour is probably what it was initially designed to be, but it probably will run closer to two. Um, and at a guild meeting, you'll discuss, you know, upcoming projects that your guild is going to be working on. So many quilt guilds have ongoing projects like Quilts of Valor or making pillowcases and toiletry kits for local shelters, or uh, making, you know, kid-friendly quilts to send to a children's hospital, some sort of uh, act of service or charity, uh, which is, I mean, it's always great. Um, so they're discussing of that, discussing of any upcoming retreats and whatnot that, that are going to be on the books. Uh, then there's usually some sort of program. Uh, somebody will come in, either a fabric designer or a quilt desi pattern designer or somebody who has a new technique or new products, uh, and they'll come and just share. They'll Usually there's some sort of instruction that goes along with it, but uh, it's pretty great. It really is. Uh, and you can learn so much. And you'd be amazed at the people that come to these guild meetings. Uh, people, like, high up in really big companies. I mean, I've sat at guild meetings just at my local Joe Schmo guild meeting, which is fa fabulous, and had designers from Moda Fabrics and um, engineers from Handy Quilter and, you know, world-renowned quilt pattern designers and, you know, authors of multiple books come and discuss quilting. And it's amazing to just sit and chat with them because usually the presenters of the program will participate in the rest of your guild meeting. And so they'll be there chatting with you, sharing stories, you know, if it's a meeting where you're actually bringing some of your sewing with, the, with you, they'll come and they'll you know, assist you, or I've even had where I've taught some of them. And it's just, it's great. It really is great. Um, so you'll have some sort of program. Uh, and then usually there are also a few add-ons that are, no matter what you're doing at your guild meeting, uh, going to occur. 
Uh, there's usually an exchange table. Uh, people come, anything that they're not going to be using anymore, that they've cleaned out their, their quilt studio and are bringing all the extras, will go on a table. And then it's kind of like a free-for-all. At my most recent guild meeting that I went to where, where we had one of those tables, I scored a few free patterns, a few books, uh, and quite a few fat quarters and yardage of fabric. Uh, because, And the thing is, I also left a bunch of stuff there. Because as your stash gets bigger and bigger, and as you hone in on your own personal style, there's going to be stuff that's left over. And like, just because I'm not going to use it doesn't mean somebody else isn't going to use it. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that all of the yardage and fabric quarters that I put on that table got taken. And there was actually so much left over because there was just so much stuff. And that happens every meeting. It's pretty great. Another thing is just games, which are so fun. Um, Usually we play some version of left, right, center, uh, which is always a good time. Everyone brings like three fat quarters with them and you have to pass to the left, to the right, or into the center. And the last person standing with fat quarters gets to win all of the fat quarters, which is a pretty awesome boon and it's just fun it's just a good giggle um but all of that to just say there's so much that happens at a guild meeting now a sew-in honestly typically at a sew-in everything that happens at a guild meeting happens at a sew-in but a sew-in usually is like an all-day event and um you bring your sewing machine you bring a project with you typically you Bring something that's kind of that you're working on, but isn't going to be super space prohibitive. Meaning, like I wouldn't quilt a full size quilt at a sew in, uh, but I would probably piece a quilt top, you know. And I wouldn't bring the whole everything I needed. I'd probably bring enough to make like five or six blocks. Because I mean, you are only there for you know six hours, and you're gonna eat, and you're gonna play games, and you're gonna chat. Um, so kind of keep that kind of stuff in mind. Now. I was in a really interesting situation because I recently joined a new quilt guild. And really, I joined this quilt guild, or at least attempted to join this quilt guild, over a year ago. But the because we had moved to the area. Um, and then the Rona came up, the dang Rona, uh, and they stopped meeting in person. And so I had put out a feeler. Uh, to just go go to the next meeting, and then obviously all the meetings were canceled. And they continued to meet via Zoom, and for some reason, which is hilarious, because, I mean, I teach how to quilt online, you and I use Zoom all the time, and I teach workshops via Zoom and all of the things. For some reason, I felt uncomfortable. It's probably for the same reason that some of you feel uncomfortable joining a guild in the first place. Like, meeting new people and sitting in a Zoom room with them, I was like, I'm never going to, like, know these people. I don't know. So I never went to the Zoom meetings, but I was getting all the emails. I was included in all, like, the distro of information. uh, But I never really participated. And then the first thing they did back once uh, the state kind of opened up enough that we could actually meet in person uh, was a sew-in. Which was kind of, I can understand it from the, med- the like, existing members' point of view. Because they're like, we haven't gotten together in so long. 
instead of doing a regular meeting, let's go all out, do a whole day event, let's do it. And I was really nervous, but I was like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to be with other sewers, with other quilters. I want to do the things. So that was actually the first time I had met them in person. Now, I had spoken to several of them via Facebook or email uh, because, like I said, I was on the distro lists and whatnot. So I had a vibe of what was going on. Uh, But that was going to be my first time. And I was kind of like, yikes. I've never jumped in, like, both feet uh, to a a, a meeting, uh, to a quilt guild in in that sense with a full day event. And I'm so glad I did. Because with a sew-in, yes, there is a structured portion and we did all the things that we would typically do at a normal guild meeting. But instead of a program, it was just all day sewing. And when I was nervous at first, I just set up my little sewing station and I started sewing. And the great thing about quilters is we're nosy and... We're curious, and so I sat there, and uh, for those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I have an obsession with Tula Pink and Buy Annie bags, and so all of my travel equipment is in these various Buy Annie bags, and they would people were just coming to my table being like, oh my gosh, what is this? Did you make this? What fabrics did you use? What patterns did you use? Where did you buy your hardware? How did, you know, and they're just asking questions because they're genuinely curious But it totally got me out of my shell uh, because it allowed for me to discuss what I do. On top of that, once I started actually sewing the project I was working on, people were stopping by asking, you know, what is that? What are you making it for? Uh, What fabrics are you using? And so then it gave me enough uh, courage to then kind of wander around a little, ask people about their sewing machines. So that just asking all the same questions that were being asked to me. And I noticed everybody was doing that. And it was by far the best way to get to know people. Because, you know, everybody's curious, everybody's polite, everybody's nice. And by halfway through the day, we're all sitting together, eating lunch, joking around. And it's because we were all just sharing a commonality. And let me be clear. I am 36 years old, which by no means is a spring chicken, and yet, in the quilting world, I'm often looked at as a very young woman. Uh, The members of this particular guild probably range in age from 30 to 80, um, heavily on the latter end of that age scale. However, there there were younger women there uh, of similar age to me as well. Um, but we all love the same thing. And it was just so much fun. So I really, really, really want to encourage you, uh, if you have not joined a quilt guild yet, look into it. Do it. It really could change your whole quilting trajectory. Um what you're into, where you shop. I learned so many, so much about like different stores in the area. I learned about different long armors in my area. I've been sending my quilts like literally to Canada because I found her and I love her and I'll probably still use her. However, I now know that there's a long armor who lives 15 minutes away. And so if I'm in a pinch or I really want something done quickly, 
I can also bring it to Barbara down the street. Kind of cool. Um, and there's just so much that you learn. So, so many cool things. Uh, but if you aren't sure how to find your quilt guild, um, go to modernquiltguild.com. They are a nationwide network of local quilt guilds. They tend to skew modern. However, the quilt guild that I'm currently part of is a portion of the Modern Quilt Guild, and I will say that they do all sorts of quilting. Uh, the one thing I will notice that when you go through Modern Quilt Guild, you will tend to get some younger members. Again, very still traditionally age-based, so please don't think, oh, well, she said it's going to be younger quilters. This is going to be like the basic chick's guide to quilting. Like, not going to happen. Um, but uh, you will have some younger ones available. And and really, it's just the ease of finding a quilt guild. I guarantee there is a chapter of the Modern Quilt Guild near you or semi-near you. Um, so modernquiltguild.com. Check it out. Okay, guys. Whew. You have just finished another episode of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me and make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now stop scrolling and start sewing.